I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, season two, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's Friday, which means it's time for unsportsmanlike conduct with your hosts, Adam Hill and Ed Green. Welcome to Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation. This podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal, presented by Blue Wire. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders before entering into the world of news and topics we seem to find interesting. So here we go. Um, Adam, uh, less than two weeks away from training camp. I think Raider fans out there are excited about that. Um, I'm going to kind of bring you up to date on what I saw at Allegiant Stadium. I was there for a concert uh, last Saturday night, and I saw a full house, which was amazing. But before we get to that, when we're out at training camp in a few weeks, I want you to tell me and kind of zero in on some of the first guys you're going to be watching that first practice, whether it's Alex Leatherwood, Trayvon Mooring, maybe uh, Ngakwe, um, Yannick Ngakwe, like a new veteran. Like, Let's go through some of the guys you think that fans should be you know, reading about and wondering about like right away and what's the reason. Yeah, I think you know it always starts – training camp I think always starts to me with rookies um, and you want to see how they're kind of worked into the rotation, um, how – you know where they're kind of, you know, how many reps they're getting, um, all those sorts of things. And of course, how they look while they're actually getting those reps. So that's, that's where it begins and ends. So uh, certainly, you know, the main uh, guys like Leatherwood and as you mentioned, Trayvon Merrick, where is he working? Uh, how is he looking at safety projected uh, that both those guys will be starters, but then that kind of next level of, you know, there's so much buzz right now about Malcolm Kuntz. And I'm always pretty skeptical of rookie training camp or rookie pre training camp buzz. Um, but a lot of people are excited about him, just like Nate Hobbs and, and guys like that. So, uh, of course, you're going to be watching all the rookies. But um, I, I think two areas uh, where you're absolutely going to be focused, and I'll, I'll get to other guys outside those areas, but definitely the defensive end rotation. Um, of course, you know, Max Crosby's been there a couple of years. I think he was maybe a little, a little bit overlooked, or excuse me, overworked uh, last year. Uh, so I think he probably gets less reps, but that's probably good for him. Um, Yannick Ngakwe, of course, locked in on the other side. Uh, but I, I kind of feel like they'll go, you know, Clee Furl on early downs outside, bring Crosby into pass rush on, on you know, passing situations, move Furl inside. Uh, that's how I think it's going to play out. And I know a lot of other people that I've talked to think it's going to play out that way. But um, I, like, I want to see that in action in training camp and see if that's how – uh, they're kind of working that rotation, and then what other guys get looks? I mean, you've got those three that we know are going to get a lot of rep, a lot of reps and a lot of action, but who else is in that mix? So I'm, I'm intrigued about that, and then how the rotation plays out uh, with the corners. Uh, where is the pecking order right now as we start training camp? I I don't think we know. I mean, I I feel like Trayvon Mullen is locked in on one side. I don't think Damon Arnett is a sure thing to start on the other side. Uh, I think there's other guys in the mix. Is Casey Hayward uh, working inside and outside? Are they trying to work him all over the field? Um, and then some other new guys in the mix there. I think those are positions to kind of watch, especially early uh, in training camp. And then outside of there, I think, you know, a lot of focus will probably be on Kenyon Drake uh, and John Brown, two guys that bring a lot of speed, a lot of playmaking ability to the offensive side. Uh, so I think there'll be a lot of attention there. But um, there's plenty of storylines to watch going into this camp. But I think those are, 
where I'm going to kind of start my focus as we well, uh, settle in. Yeah, let me bring you back to uh, to Clee Farrell, and you know we had the we had a COVID with him last last uh, season. Do you think Clee Farrell? I mean, he graded out pretty well when he's healthy. He actually graded out higher than Max Crosby uh, in in pretty much every area. I don't. I yeah. think people would be surprised at that because Max Crosby led the team in sacks. Uh, Let's get it straight right now. Uh, Clee Farrell is a better player than Max Crosby. Well, that's what I, the perception. I want to ask you that because I do think because of the sack totals, the perception outside and everyone always goes to sacks totals there's so much more to this is that he's not a better player um i'm with you because he can go inside or outside that he is one i don't i'm not saying he hasn't been given a fair shake but i'm not sure people have totally grasped at this point like how good he's been and i don't know if that's a fair assessment or not well and it you know the draft position stays with you we talk about that uh with the good and the bad in the nfl uh with on the good side you can be underwhelming and, and be a little bit disappointing for a couple of years. And if you're a first round pick, a second round pick, you're probably going to get the benefit of the doubt. You'll probably still get a nice contract. Somebody still take a shot on you. Like your draft position stays with you, but it, it works the other way too. Uh, Clee Furl is being judged as a guy that was picked in the top five. If you don't judge him that way, uh, he's been good and he's been a pretty solid player. He's been what they picked him for, which is not to be, that dynamic, explosive, off-the-edge rusher just getting sacks, it's a guy who can play all three downs, who can stop the run, who can be versatile on the defensive line, who can get pressure occasionally, but also is just a, a solid player that you can play uh, all the time in all situations. And, and he's done that. He hasn't been great. He hasn't blown anybody away, but he's been a good football player. Uh, but it's just that you're judging him as a top-five pick, which, fair or unfair, I mean, that's where he was picked, so he's gonna be he's going to be judged there. Uh, but if you take those expectations away, it's a different story. And Max Crosby kind of gets the benefit of being an underdrafted guy, a later round pick who you have gotten so much more production out of than you would expect. He's been, you know, just kind of from out of nowhere. And it's just this, um, you know, how, where would this pass rush have been without him the last couple of years? But the consistency has not been there. Um, definitely a huge liability at times against the run. And I think a lot of that is because he was being played out of position. He was being played way too often. Um, I think he'll be able to settle in as more just the, hey, go get that guy pass rusher this year. And that could help him a lot too. But if you're saying who's the better football player or who has been the better football player over the last two years between Furl and Crosby and in particular last year, if you have any idea what you're talking about, the answer is Clee Furl. Uh, one other thing I'm going to look at the first day you mentioned of early on in your, in your names there maybe because of the overhaul that's been done there, is Alex Leatherwood. And again, now we're going to go back to where he's picked and how he'll be judged. Fair or not, he's going to be judged of where his draft selection was. But uh, I think he's going to slot into right tackle right away. Um, do you see anything in many camps that kind of makes you believe it could start one way or the other for this guy? Not really. I mean, it's, you know, I will say that he was being coached up a lot. Uh, there was a lot of focus on him from the coaching staff. Um and, and they were they were definitely you know all over him on a couple of occasions of you know just like little technical um, issues that they wanted to correct that they you know different system different scheme than what he ran in college and he played obviously at a very high level he was a very successful player in college but I think that there's some things they want him to do in terms of making that transition and, and the way they do things with the Raiders and so they were getting they were getting on him about those things and I think that's that's good that's encouraging they think that there's um, you know work to be done there and they think that they can work with him and. 
uh, do a lot of things. That's why they wanted him because they thought that he was a guy that fit what they wanted to do more than the other guys uh, that were kind of in that same discussion. Uh, so they're excited to have him. And I, you can't tell anything from minicamp. I mean, I, I know a lot of people want to, but listen, they're not really in pads. They're just out there kind of going through the motions. They're not hitting anybody. Uh, you really can't judge a whole lot at all, especially on the offensive line uh, about how guys are going to be. But um, I know that they were, uh, you know, they're spending a lot of time. They're investing a lot of time at Alex Leatherwood, which is kind of what you want to see. The team is uh, excited to work with him and get him to where they want him. And uh, we'll see that continue in training camp. But uh, he will go into training camp as the starting right tackle. And, you know, for when coaches say there's no decisions made or those sorts of things, you can always tell what the rotations are. You can tell who is where. Now, that's not to say there's not room for movement. Even by, you know, week two, you can see guys move around. But uh, we'll be able to tell on the first day out there on the practice field, you know, who are the projected starters right now. And Alex Leatherwood will be the, one of those guys. Yeah, a lot of stuff for training camp. Like I said, we're under two weeks. Uh, I'm going to get a real heavy uh, training camp preview on the podcast next week uh, to get you ready for what's going to happen on the 27th and going forward as the Raiders open up camp here in Las Vegas. Not in Napa. Uh, it will be here in Las Vegas. We'll be out there daily with all the reporting. God, um, I miss I miss Napa. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it's not a Napa, but it's not that we're uh, standing and cheering about that. But um, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. And don't worry, it'll be nice and cool out at the Raiders facility at Henderson. Um, sure. I was at Allegiant Stadium for Garth Brooks. First time. Well, I, there was a, you can help me out here. There, there was a concert there the previous week. I don't know if it was sold out like Garth Brooks was. I mean, I was there for Brooks. And, you know, you and I covered the entire year last year with no fans in stadium at games. Uh, it was electric, man. It was. Hold on, Ed. Before you go any further with this, did you ask me that question about a sold-out show the week before because you saw the arguments I was in on Twitter? No, I have no idea what that means. So I was telling I people know, who about is that, who was that concert. I, I really, I see. I'm not. I, I have no idea who it was. So it's Elenium. They're like DJ set, EDM okay. type. I, it's not. It's not my thing. I know it's not your thing. Um, I know some people that were there. But here, here's what happened. So this past weekend, and we're going to get into it, you were at Garth Brooks. Uh, it was, for those, I know a lot of our listeners are here in Vegas, but a lot aren't. It was a crazy weekend in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And that's because Conor McGregor's fighting at T-Mobile Arena, which not only brings out a lot of fans, a sold-out venue at T-Mobile, over 20,000, first time ever. Uh, there was over 20,000 for a sporting event at T-Mobile. Um, right across the street at Allegiant Stadium, uh, there was the Garth Brooks show, which I would consider the first sold-out show uh, at Allegiant Stadium. Bruno Mars was playing at the same time. Right. Uh, and then there was another – and that was right next door. I mean, that's within 100 yards of where uh, Conor McGregor was at T-Mobile. So within those three, you know, those three little what blocks, I guess you could call it, you had like three massive shows going on. So it was a crazy weekend in Las Vegas. And I was trying to describe people how nuts it was going to be in terms of traffic and parking and just the chaos and that if you weren't going to one of those shows to avoid that area of town completely. And I put that on Twitter and then somebody responded, uh, hey, idiot, there was a sold out show last week at Allegiant Stadium. Now, Illinium, as we mentioned, right? Uh, I believe was trying to bill itself as a sold out show. Uh, I know many people that were there. I saw many pictures. It was not a sold-out show. Uh, I believe what they did is they capped tickets at Allegiant at about thirty-three or 34000 That's not even close. And But then sold those tickets and said, hey, we're sold out. Well, like well, – uh, no. So, so on a technicality, sure, and I do love technicalities and loopholes. I do. 
But I think most people have come to understand sold out as filling a venue. Well, I, I consider it filling a venue. If you say you're sold out at 33, to me, that only means you've capped it at a number. But if there's 60,000 seats, the venue's not sold out. I mean, that, that's it's total. Uh, that, that, to me, that, that, that doesn't draw water. That, that, that doesn't mean it's sold out. It means you capped it at a certain number. And the first sellout was Garth Brooks. And that was, I can, I can be honest with you and tell you right now, it was sold out. Uh, yeah. I didn't see any empty seats. It was in a, you know, for that way, it was great. You'll be happy to know I need to update you. So, you know, because you were my kind of traffic cop here in terms of where we should park because, you know, Bonnie and the, the wife and I went to this and, you know, very worried about parking. I knew we weren't paying 100. Come on, forget about it. Um, but she did go on. I didn't up, I don't know if I updated you this. She found through the Allegiant parking kind of structure, a $40 spot it was 0.6 miles away where I'm told the Allegiant workers on Polaris will park for their shifts. As 0.6. We thought we'd have to walk in the heat. Not good. I probably would have passed out. Instead... Did you Did you use one of the bikes? Well, okay. Here's what happened. So we were supposed to park... And I'm giving away the secret here. They might come and arrest me. I was supposed to park at the top of the structure. I think it was like X or V. They were very confused about everybody. They, you know, it was the first time they've ever done this. So when we drove in, she goes, get to V. Bonnie saw the opening in lot A, which is at the bottom, the best parking spots. The guy who was letting people in appeared to have never worked there and didn't know what he was doing. He just gave us the nice, friendly wave as we drove right by him. She got the best spot in the entire parking lot right up front, number one spot. So we were off to a, a roaring start. There were a lot of people there coming down from you know the cheap seats where we were supposed to park. We were in the rich seats uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a mistake. And we thought we'd have to walk until we saw this huge line. And the person said, oh, they're giving shuttles even though it's half mile because it's so so hot. There were also the you know the, the bikes that the kids ride the bikes. What the Richard bikes? What's the what are these? Richard? What are these? Uh, yeah, it, it was on a there's a Seinfeld episode yes, about yes. the uh, yeah. yes, of course. Okay, I'm in line and I'm like, you know what, Bonnie, let's get over there, have a few cocktails, let's get there early. A guy in front of us asks one of the kids, "Hey, he obviously didn't know there's a set price. He thought he'd bargain with the kid." And he says, my wife and I will give you five bucks each. Well, the kid passed out laughing. He goes, brother, it's 25 ahead. At that point, I knew with Bonnie, there's no chance I'm getting on one of these Ricket bikes. Uh, so we waited and we got on the uh, shuttle. Very nice. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Bonnie was a little worried there were no masks on. But come on, it's a Garth Brooks concert. What do we expect? Um, so we got there. Got it. It was great. By the way, completely huge uh, ovation to Legion Stadium for the entrance. We got there through security. Two seconds, we were in the building. It was amazing. Totally amazing. I will say that um, it, it was an amazing sight to see it that, that, that crowded. A couple things if I'm grading. I've got to give the atmosphere an A for sure. Obviously, it was a huge atmosphere. I'm going to have to downgrade a few things. We'll start with the food. Bonnie not happy. You know she doesn't eat meat. There was no vegetarian and or fish options. Uh, okay. That was not good. At least on our concourse. I mean, we didn't walk you know, everywhere to see it. But you know, you, we, we got the lay of the land. And uh, I'll be interested to see what it's like in football, because I'm telling you, as much as we love the concert, we love Garth Brooks. We love that his wife came. Trisha came out at the end. I don't know if you know who that is, but she came out at the end to sing the um, Star is Born Shallow song with him. It was amazing. Uh, the acoustics were horrible. I've heard that. Now, I don't know if it's I heard we were right in front of the stage. We were bottom bottom level right from, you know, that you have the, the seats on the ground and arena floor. And then we were in the very first section. So we had really good seats. So we heard maybe on the sides, the acoustics were a little better. 
Um, Bonnie, especially me as well, knew the songs well enough to know what he was playing, but the acoustics, Adam, were really, really bad. And I ask you, I don't know. I don't know this. Would well, you think that'll translate to football? I, and I don't know if it really matters because how many times in football you're like worried about the acoustics instead of just watching the game. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, season two, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so I I don't know. Um, I heard so far everyone I've talked to, and I knew a lot of people that are at that show. Um, everyone I talked to said almost the same thing in terms of the bad acoustics. Yeah, but they said like when there was a roar from the crowd, very loud. Yes, yes. So so apparently the you know it does a pretty good job of keeping the sound in. Yeah. So that that's a good sign for football. Um, I will say this: I don't. I'm not an acoustics expert. I don't know. Uh, what that means, but uh, very importantly to uh, keep in mind, because people are really up in arms about how bad the acoustics were at this show. Yeah, and I know Raiders fans are kind of into well, what's it going to be like football that quarter, sure. that sort of thing. Um, I went to the uh, VIP opening at T-Mobile, which was uh, there was a bunch of uh, a bunch of acts, some local local bands, and then the Killers headlined. Oh, it. the Killers. Okay, all right, okay, and. The acoustics were horrific. Okay. Horrific. And they're much better now. So I feel like, you know, first show, as much as you practice and test everything out and try it out, until you get that many people in there, yeah, you just don't know exactly how things need to be tuned up and um, and altered. And, and I think it'll get better. I think you're hoping is that there's definitely – they definitely looked for feedback. I'm sure they looked at social media. They wanted to know. Like you and I, I had people email me, reaching out on Twitter because I was talking about on the show being there. And they're like, loved it, loved it. Acoustics were horrible. So there's a lot of positive. But any negative I really saw, other than the wife not being able to get the vegetarian meal, had to go with the cheese pizza. Uh, it was about the acoustics. Um, it was about the acoustics. And, uh, you know, the beer and wine were fine. You know, sprung for that. But no, it was, it was, look, it was just, and you and I have an, we're going to have an appreciation. We went to, what, eight home games plus a preseason game. And when you're in there, when there's no one in there, I know you and I sat together. It was completely surreal last year. We hear coaches calling out plays. It was very weird. So I think you and I are going to be really excited to be at games with people and to see the fans' reaction and the emotion. And, you know, obviously it's not going to be a Garth Brooks contra- concert. It's going to be different emotions than you see at a concert. But, um, it was really cool to see it full, and I enjoyed the experience. And I'm with you. I can't believe they didn't say, okay, everyone didn't like the acoustics, so what can we do to make them better, or why did that happen? No, they're, they're going to fix it. It'll get better. And um, I, I you know, I think there's some follow-ups I want to go with, and, and I, I think this is a really good topic for people that are excited about it. Don't forget, we also were there for practices last year, yes. UNLV, UNLV football games last year, like – We've been in there a lot, the draft party for for this year. So we have been in there a lot. We've, we've experienced it, but I think it is a much different experience when there is people in there. Um, I thought last year, and I'll get your take since you actually went to this venue and I've only heard from people. Um, I thought last year, the inside of Allegiant Stadium, like when you sit in your seat and you're watching a game or you're sitting in a club level watching a game or in the press box watching a game, 
when you're inside and ready to view um, a, an event, then it is unbelievable. It's gorgeous. The light, the natural light that comes in, and then when it gets dark uh, from the top, like it's all unbelievable. But I was very unimpressed with entry and exit and the concourses. And I was told, no, don't worry. When there's crowds, it'll be fine. Now, I heard it was a disaster in the concourses on Saturday night. Okay, so you and I talked about the natural light. I love it. I think it's wonderful. I think the lanai doors during games, it's amazing. Uh, the concourses were tight. I can't, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. The lines, yeah. you know, you look, you, you, you go to, you know this, you've been to far more concerts than I have. But if you go to a concert like that, you expect to wait in line for food. I get it. We had no problem with that. I mean, I'll wait in line anything. It, it's, it's part of the night. It's part of the experience. It's been a lot of money to go there. So you know you're in wait lines. It was very cramped, though. Um, now, see, I don't know. I'll go with this on the entrance and exit thing. Like I said, we went in the main entrance and we were there. We went through, didn't make, you know, hey, let's scan your tickets, take your wallet out, hold them above your head. We were through security in two seconds. We were in the building in two seconds. So that part was fine. It was much better than she and I thought it would be. But sure, it was very tight. You and I have been down to the bottom of kind of the bowels of Allegiant Stadium walking around. We probably weren't supposed to be, but we were down there. And even then, if you remember with colleagues, um, uh, Cassie Soto and how you think, we all mentioned, boy, it's, we feel really tight in here with four people. Like, yeah. so it's like, what's going to happen when, you know, there's 60,000 people in it? That is an issue. I'll say I used the restroom one time. I don't know. Maybe everyone was having their beer, but I, there was no one in there. And I don't think that's going to happen a lot during NFL games. So I can't really gauge on when, you know, the restroom, the lines of the men's restroom or the women's restroom. Um, but you're right. It, it was tight. And I don't, here's the thing though, Adam. They can fix the acoustics. I don't think they can fix that problem. They can, and, and that's it's it's something about some of the new stadiums. One of the things they've done is they're really, really innovative in terms of how the concessions are set up, how the bathrooms are set up, so that when there are long lines, it doesn't cramp up the concourses. But I felt like the first time I walked into Allegiant that it wasn't built like that, like that the lines were going to be an issue. And it, again, I'm not talking about how long it takes to wait in line and get food. Like we understand you're at games, that's going to happen. But what it shouldn't do is it shouldn't block the entire concourse, which is what I heard was happening, which is a little bit concerning uh, because I don't know how you fix well, that. Well, we were in line for some beers, uh, and, and and the problem was the line went straight back. Well, like you said, you can't go a line straight back when people are flowing both ways on uh, into you. I, you know, so and, and we're talking like we were in line, you know, maybe 10, 12 people. I was at the back of that line and I kept have to kept having to step kind of the side because you've got people going by you pretty fast. They're trying to get to their seats. They're not trying to get in line for that specific beer and they're moving past. You're bumping into everyone. That's an issue. There, there's just no room in which to like exist. Now, I guess if everything's just, uh, you know, the, 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 the food is at your concourse and you, you have one line, that's fine. But you know, as well as anyone, they have these you know, small little things set up for the beer and the wine and pretzels and stuff like that. And that's where the lines get kind of long and you've got people moving into you from both sides. So you can't really fix that. So you're going to have to have people be real patient and maybe, you know, look, maybe their Raider fans are great fans. Maybe it's, they just want to be an allegiant and they're so excited. They're going to be able to go there, but you're not going to get 60,000 people come in there and not get a lot of complaining from people. That's what people like to do. Sure. And I want to make it clear, like there, we're doing some nitpicking on what's wrong and a lot of it is going to be fixed. A lot of, People are going to figure out where to park better. Right. Um, it's so, it's always going to be a nightmare, but people are going to figure it out a little bit better. What's the best places to go, especially locals like all the time. You're going to figure out your best place. Uh, all those things, the, the in and out. And we saw what happened uh, on the Hacienda Bridge after you know after the events. It's been kind of ugly, but those things will be figured out. Like I'm not worried about that. I think it's going to be great. And I'll also stress once again, 
Um, all the reviews I've heard of once you're actually sitting in your seat watching an event are A++++. People are loving that, except for the acoustics, which, again, I think will get fixed. Uh, here's one other one. And listen, nobody could have predicted that it was going to be 117 degrees the first time they had fans at Allegiant Stadium. But you are inside, and I heard it was incredibly hot. Wow. I don't – I'll have to ask Bonnie about that. I mean – did I have to come home and like wring the shirt out? Yes, but I just assumed that was because I was outside walking. Um, I don't know. I was so excited to be in there. And I, you know, like, Bright, like, like Garth Brooks, don't like him. I love the guy for one reason. No opening act. Let's go. Here he goes. I mean, it was, you know, seven is he's supposed to, you know, said tickets said seven o'clock. Pretty sure it's seven thirty, seven thirty five. He was on and he went. And if you know Garth Brooks, he'll play forever. So you definitely get your money's worth and there's no opening act. It's just him and his band. So Maybe I was so caught up in how much I was enjoying the concert. I didn't think about that. Now that I do, I, I don't, I'd have to ask Bonnie. She never mentioned it to me. Like maybe because it was just so hot outside. I would, in my mind, I thought anything inside was fine. I mean, it was just so hot outside when you walked in, you're like, oh, that's got to be better. So that's interesting. I had not heard that, but I'm also, I walked out of there and I was so, I was so sweating, but I just assumed, no, it's 110 degrees. And I, I think that was a big part of it, obviously. And, and again, I think when you let natural light in, especially when the show started during the day, yes. yeah. um, it's going to happen. So I, I kind of dismissed that a little bit. I just didn't know if, you know, they didn't quite have the air figured out because they didn't know how many, you know, how to judge it with how many people are in there. Um, we'll see. But yeah, I heard from several people that were incredibly hot. But if you're saying you weren't, um, you're a man of comfort. So I think if you were comfortable, uh, I think it probably wasn't too bad. Maybe people are just whining. I, I find it funny. We were we had, we actually had to bite the bullet and walk back to the car because there were no uh, shuttles, so we had to walk the point six back. By the time we got there, it seemed like six point six. But we're walking across the uh, the the light standard there where you and I and Heidi have shot our standups in the morning of game, so you know where I'm talking about. Yeah. And there's a, a, a light there going to Polaris. And it, and by the way, I, this is the one thing we, you, we're not going to have to worry about this. Thank goodness for us is that after games, we're going to be riding and working. So we're not going to be there when right. there's a lot of clouds working. But it was a little dicey. You got cars going both ways. There's cops in the middle of the street. I mean, as you'd expect around any NFL stadium, it gets a little crazy. But we're walking next to a lady and I felt sorry for her. She's on the phone. She goes, I can't find you. I can't find you. You know, I'm getting worried. Where are you? And she goes, what? You're, you're on what bridge? And I said, oh, boy. You are far away. It's like, oh, she'll never find this person. I just, I just kept walking. I look at Bonnie and said, boy, but she's talking about Hacienda. She's in major trouble. She's going the wrong way. Oh. But that bridge I heard, I don't – like we were away from the bridge, obviously, but I can only imagine the nonsense that was going on over there. It, 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 you, you bring that many people into one area, it, it just – it probably got a little hairy there with the traffic. Yeah, and again, for, I know a lot of our uh, our podcast listeners from out of town, so if you're here, sorry to say things you already know, but the Hacienda Bridge is a bridge – that basically goes from Luxor and Mandalay Bay straight into the main entrance of the stadium. Right. It, it goes over the freeway and it just goes right into the stadium. And that's going to be closed to traffic from like four hours before the game until like two or two or three hours after, I guess they're trying to do. Um, so that's going to be like the main pedestrian thoroughfare uh, for people trying to get from the strip over to the stadium. But then after, I, I think you're not only going to have the people that are parked over there, but also just like a lot of people – even if you're parked by the stadium, maybe you walk over there to just go to a casino and go out because eventually, I'm talking three, four years from now, you're going to have a bunch of restaurants and bars and things right around the stadium, but you're not going to have that for a couple of years. So really, the only things to do after the game are to go over to the casino if you don't want to drive somewhere. And so it's just going to be thousands and thousands of people, mass humanity on that bridge. And 
you know, when there's too many people clogged in, especially when it's 117 degrees or after the concert, it's probably about 101 at 11 p.m. Like there's just going to be a lot of craziness. And during football season, you know, after a game, it's going to be what, five o'clock? Yeah. It's still going to be pretty hot yeah. in, you know, September, October. You, uh, I, I, we're going to get to this next week. We ran over, so I'm going to get to the uh, alone question next week uh, in terms of who would survive. It wouldn't be you and I. Uh, but I've got to end it with this. Uh, what are you most surprised at? The acoustics or the white Greenspan uh, uh, got to get the front row, the front row ticket for $60 less or that she was upset there was no vegetarian food. And, and should that be a knock against a legion at this point? Well, I want to say that there is somewhere. We just didn't find it. Right. In your area. Like, I'm guessing you didn't go to a whole lot of places. Now, I'm going to say uh, this is on you. First, Talking about there's 60,000 people. You want me walking the entire stadium looking for like a, a meatless burger? Not not Saturday. You should have had that done uh, months ago. <laughs> the pregame? And I needed to do the pregame scout? I, I I actually didn't even know that uh, Bonnie was vegetarian. Yeah. That's that's on me, I suppose. Um, I was uh, hanging out a lot with a vegetarian in the last couple of years. Uh, and I would always, I would always know because I wouldn't want to put up with the, oh, there's nothing for me, the whining about it. So I, I would always, I would always know. I would either go online and find it, or if I was you, I would have been walking around that stadium last year when we were in there trying to find out where you have to go. I'm 25 years into this uh, th- this connection. I-, I-, I can't do pregame anymore. You should know I better. I- I go- After that amount of time. I go and I hope, and you know, obviously if it doesn't come through, I take the brunt of the cr- criticism and the critique, but it's been happening for decades, so I just kind of accept it. I, I-, I can't remember to do the pregame on the-, on the vegetarian meals. I assume, look, it's 2021. I can't believe we didn't go past two food places and still didn't see something of the vegetarian. Isn't that like a staple in life right now? Do you go anywhere without that option? There's probably a vegetarian stand in there somewhere. Yeah, I missed it. What's there? There's that one burger I thought I was going to get lucky in Kawama. There's some kind of burger there uh, stand that I thought I'd get a meatless for her, and that didn't work out. She was fine. She settled for the cheese pizza and some red vines with some red wine. There's no better meal than that. Are you, are you so vegetarian? Not vegetarian, not vegan, is what you're saying. Yes, not vegan. Are you looking it up okay. right now? I'm. Uh, yes, of course I am. Did vegan I options at Allegiant Stadium include. Oh no! Yeah, it's it's a oh. whole thing. But where? Not in my. What are doing? Well, it was well, a, it was a link, and I'm got? opening it. So. I said it was it was a link that I'm currently opening it. And by the way, it's taking a while. Oh. So this is wonderful live uh, podcast stuff. But let me uh, let me click on the V here. There's an A to Z guide to Allegiant Stadium up on uh, the AllegiantStadium.com site. It said there was both, but I'm I'm opening the V and, and that's it's what forever. The v I think is? Because, well, there's, yeah, there's A to V. There's a lot of options under V, but one of them appears to be uh, here. You go, vegan food and vegetarian food. There's two different ones. Also, visiting team guests and VIP club seats are both on there. First of all, let me tell you something, because I've got the page open, and I'm not happy at all. Vegan food options. I believe I was in section 122. You, you know what they list? Chips and salsa and guacamole. That, 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 that's okay. nothing special. Vegetarian food. You ready? Fries, chips, and cheese, cheese pizza, pretzel, peanuts, and popcorn. What am I, at a Little League baseball game? How, how are these the, the, the right options? I was talking like serious advanced vegan and or vegetarian options. I could go get a pretzel anywhere. I'm not a vegetarian. Fries sound good. But do you see what I'm saying here? Uh, so I, so sure. I guess we did know there were vegetarian options. We just assumed they were American food from the Little League field. I, I, 
I mean, <laughs> I'm see. I thought when I pulled this up, there's gonna be like some, you know, the meatless this and you know the the the, the advanced this and all that for vegans and and you know seaweed and lettuce, whatever vegans eat, um, and vegetarians. It's peanuts and popcorn for Christ's sake. I feel like, first of all, I feel like they they don't assume football and vegetarians go hand in hand. Well, I, I mean, I'll give them that. But if you're if you're looking at your market in 2021 and you got 60,000 people in there, you're going to expect some people to veg- be vegetarians. It's 2021. I agree with you. I, I think that's uh, that's pretty crazy. But there, I mean, there is, as you said, there's some options there: the fries, the pizza, and you found the pizza and um, you know chips and salsa. There, there are some things okay, so that they have the, there. in section 316. They got something called the vegan 420, and then they got Capriotis, which I didn't know Capriotis did this. The impossible cheesesteak at 220. And, you know, anything impossible nowadays that says impossible is vegan or vegetarian. So, so it, sound, it sounds like there's a lot of good options here. It's a, come on, a cheese pizza. I, cold, they, they, you know what? In section 124, they list their vegetarian option as coleslaw. Come on. That sounds delicious. This yeah, afternoon. But, I got a. But I like I like that you buried you buried the lead. You're you're like oh they only got fries and pretzels, and then you're like oh no they've got a they've got a <laughs> they've got a vegetarian cheese steak. Uh, uh, I think it, they also have Pizza Rocket three forty two at the Twitch Lounge Veggie Pizza. I, I stand corrected. They've got a lot of things. I just I I, I set myself down in section one twenty two and I didn't move. So anything within like ten yards of either way, I wasn't really going to be able to cr- uh, critique. But. In that section, I couldn't really find anything. But now, oh, now that I thought, I think about it, I should have said, hey, just get yourself like six boxes of popcorn. Yeah, why didn't you do that? That sounds delicious. Uh, I'm being picky. I, I loved the night. I'm being picky. Uh, parking was better than I thought. Um, we, 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 we put that, you know, we, we got a better space than we should have given the money we spent. And um, I thought going in and out was great. And I can't wait for football season to see a, a full uh, full place. And I think you will too, a full place. So. Better than, you know, it, it was a good, really good night, really good night. But despite the fact uh, my vegan options where I was, was peanuts, popcorn, and cheese pizza. <laughs> it's not bad. I, I think it sounds delicious. I might become vegetarian just so I can share those options at the stadium. Uh, all right. Well, we'll continue next week. We're going to get hopefully get a guest to um, preview training camp. And I'm going to get around to this one of these weeks. Adam's going to tell me how he would survive on the uh, wilderness show of Alone. That's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation. This podcast has been brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal and presented by Blue Wire. Remember now, there are new episodes of the Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. You can support this show by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can find all our coverage at VegasNation.com. For Larry, Adam, I'm Ed. We'll talk to you next week. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. In partnership with the Mob Museum, I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, a true story about money. And so it was their piggy bank. They had the ability to get loans for whoever they wanted to get loans for. Crime. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. And the battle to control the Strip. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. We were very angry and very upset, and we knew we had been double-crossed. 
Subscribe to Mobbed Up, the Fight for Las Vegas season two today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Pro Group Management. Additional sponsorship provided by El Cortez and the Golden Steer.